Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I'm joined, as always, by my other host, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you doing, buddy? It's been a week. I know. Um... Doing okay. Um, I know I like to debrief you and our listeners on all my aches and pains, especially as they relate yes. to my exercise routine. And so loyal listeners will know that uh, I first... Real ones will know. Real ones will know that for a while I was dealing with shin splints. Got a compression sleeve sock thing that helped a lot. Good. Um, and then I thought I was having problems with... Um, What's it called? Uh, plantar fasciitis. But I think it was, I think I misdiagnosed myself. Yes. Yeah. I, you said this on the podcast. Oh, I did. And okay. I said that's a lot of, uh, a lot of big men in the NBA have that problem. That's right. So I misdiagnosed. And I thought, what could Patrick be doing that's exerting himself <laughs> as much as a professional athlete? <laughs> yeah. Um, and my, uh, my older cousin, Sam, very thoughtfully sent me this spiky ball thing to help massage the foot. Uh, and then now I'm feeling this pain in the, back and side of my calf Mm. um so i have these ice packs that i can velcro uh to my calf Uh so i i just threw it back in the freezer um after this recording i'll probably throw it back on the calf and ice her up but how are you (laughs) i'm (laughs) i'm fine patrick just hearing all your maladies and your little uh cures and stuff it's just it's really depressing <laughs> well getting um, old is depressing i know it is we've talked about this before how yeah. we just get be- hangovers a lot easier it's just sad yeah just before we started talking we were talking about how our stomachs hurt all the time we're talking about our stool and our stool disgusting I we was... won't, we won't, that'll be off we won't <laughs> we won't go into details on air but know that things are irregular <laughs> yeah the, the, um, the pre-note chat was about 15 minutes of stool sample yeah discussion. yeah stool talk. <laughs> stool talk uh patrick so one thing i wanted to bring up is you know how last episode i said if you write a five-star review uh you can pick patrick's nickname for the the episode do you remember okay. this <laughs> i do remember and no one has taken me up on it yet because oh, the wow. episode dropped today oh you know oh, oh. so they would have had to have done it quickly uh, so that is an ongoing thing. Keep doing that. But Trisha, who wrote a five-star review before, said, can I give him a nickname for an episode? <laughs> and I said, yes, of course. Retroactive. <laughs> Why not? You know? So your nickname for this episode is Burger King. Burger King. You are the Burger King <laughs> King. Uh, and what happens and if you ha- forget to refer to me as Burger King? It's my choice if I had a king. I, I'm probably going to predominantly refer to you as Patrick or King or BK. <laughs> uh, so that's that. Uh, so thank you, Trisha, wife, my wife, for writing a five-star review. I really appreciate that. Really sweet. <laughs> Did you see so Burger me- King reverted to their old uh, throwback logo and color scheme? No, I like that. Yeah, it's I, great. I'm a fan of Burger King. Yeah. And the reason I think she gave you that nickname is because there was a period of time where you were going there like almost every no, day to get their tacos. Folks made, no, this became a huge thing because there was a period of time where I was desperately trying to get their tacos. And so on campus at UCSD, there's a Burger King, um, uh-huh. but they don't have the tacos there. So I would keep kind of periodically trying and I would post about it for whatever reason. And then once I finally. I, this is your own damn fault for for recording all of this. <laughs> and we know all this information. Yeah, true. But I'm not. That, I mean, Burger King's fine, but I'm not like a big Burger King fan. Well. But it was very you know, sweet. I remember one time you and Trisha gifted me 
uh, Burger King before the pandemic. In fact, not long, a few months before the pandemic, you guys gifted me Burger King. Oh, better times when we could go eat at the BK Lounge together <laughs> with our friends and loved ones. Mm-hmm. Patrick, I have some notes here that you wrote down, down. Would you like to get to these? Yeah, so one thing that I wanted to ask you about is, have you heard these rumors about Army Hammer being a sex cannibal? Well, I, I have heard that term. I haven't done much research into this. I know his DMs got revealed, but... <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of a uh, hyperbolic to proclaim that he's a sex cannibal, but I think it's very interesting that uh, this what is... What does that mean? Um, he likes to eat f- human flesh during sex. I don't know. <laughs> That's scary. That sounds like some sort of giallo horror film. I know. I think it's more um, in the, you know, S&M realm, and as we said before, we don't like to kink shame, but I, I'm a little bit apprehensive that Army Hammer's kink uh is veering into a dangerous territory of cannibalism well (laughs) (laughs) something we frankly don't promote on this podcast uh army hammer seems to be rich enough because he's from the wealthy hammer family in los angeles and also successful enough where i bet he could get away with frequently eating people and uh you know he could he could source that somehow yeah Without getting caught. Yeah, it's pretty wild how much stuff rich people can get away with. Yeah. You know? Well, that kind of ties into the movie we're talking about today, Patrick. (laughs) It sure does. Uh, The last thing I'm going to bring up, um, uh, I just wanted to ask or talk to you about how last last week when, uh, you know, we get on social media and we try to promote the show. And, uh, yeah, it's not funny, but it's kind of (laughs) funny. I'm trying to promote the show on Instagram and Twitter at the same time, like a coup is unraveling in the Capitol. And I'm like, maybe I should pump the brakes on my. Well, yeah, no, I mean, this is a problem for me at work, too, because I have to promote the two podcasts I actually get paid to make. And I just did not promote them on social media at all that day. But we had to record a podcast on that Wednesday, like in the midst of the coup transpiring. Oh, you had to record that Wednesday? Like, an hour after the it, the news broke that people were there, and it was it, you know because there was a period of time on that Wednesday where it was like oh my like what is going to happen yeah. like it was scary and so we were like we are going to reschedule because this is ho- like this is actually very scary yeah. so we just rescheduled the next day and it is kind of funny like even twenty four hours after it's like oh it's fine yeah. it's fine but <laughs> yeah. it's like a coup kind of almost happened it's yeah. crazy and I'm a little bit apprehensive about what's going to happen over you know these next few days before the inauguration so. I don't know see how it goes, but maybe I'll be promoting this episode. Well, a little lighter. Well, the well, I don't know. Maybe the maggot sheds will be <laughs> sticking heads on pikes. Hopefully not. But uh, well, we're trying. To I, I think this they're going to be a little more prepared for it this time because something actually happened yeah. last time. You know, like so they actually were good on their word. I guess. Um, Patrick, let's move on to Letterboxd rundown. I'm very excited to do this next week with our guest. Next week, won't say who that is until the end of the episode. That's called the tease, Patrick. Uh, uh, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first, I Patrick? think I went first last time, so you could go first. I'm going to try to do this in under 60 seconds, and here I go. Um, I watched this movie called We Are the Night, which is a German kind of a sexy vampire movie. Very bad. When Don't I saw that on your letterbox, I thought it was We Own the Night. No. The James Gray movie with Wahlberg and Joaquin Phoenix. And I was like, no, this was quite bad. That. Didn't enjoy this at all. Um, then I watched Sisters by Brian De Palma. Mm, have you seen that movie, Patrick? I have not. I love De Palma, oh, though. Oh, come on, King. Come on, BK. It's really good. <laughs> it's on Criterion Channel. You should watch it. It's one okay. of the 70s horrors. It was, I loved it. Excellent. Phenomenal. 
Uh, then I watched Steven Soderbergh's Haywire. Mm. Have you seen that movie? Yes, I saw that in theaters at the North Hollywood Lemley when I was living in Los Angeles. And had you met Steven Soderbergh by that time? Or did I, you have any inkling that you might meet him someday? I never could have imagined that I would meet Soderbergh himself. Sure. <laughs> um, well, I really liked that. I thought it was a very tight. It's a really fun like, movie. Kind of fun, minor action film. It's like really short and just clips long. It's like, oh, it's great. Yeah. Packs. There's a million famous people in that. And then I watched, lastly, this movie, Vivarium, with Jesse Eisenberg mm. and uh, Imogen Poots. Yes, you did not I like this. <laughs> Horrible. It was one of those. It's one of those movies that like a high school boy would be like, "This is so genius. It's so many levels, man. It's dumb. It's stupid. There, there's no point to it whatsoever." And I hated every minute of it. Also, Jesse Eisenberg is supposed to be this like gardener outdoorsman, and I was like, what? "Excuse me, no. I get, that that's a bridge too far, my friend." So I did not enjoy that movie at all. Yeah, that's a strange casting. It sounds like stunt casting. Which- stunt. I don't know if we're fans of stunt casting at Farthouse. Uh, but yeah, did not. I really hated that movie. Interesting. That uh, why did you decide film. to watch it? I thought the concept seemed kind of cool. The concept is basically it's this young couple that's looking for a house, and they basically, to buy a house, and they get tricked into looking at this house in this like suburban complex, and they can't leave. And <laughs> they're left kind of a cool al- concept. <laughs> yeah, they're left alone, and they like cannot leave, and everything, like food is delivered to them, and it just, it's so... Like a box will show up with like food and provisions and they just can't leave. Is it a horror movie? It's like more of a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be a little funnier, but it's not funny at all. It's like a bad episode of Black Mirror. Uh, Did not enjoy it. Okay, okay. Patrick, you go. Yes, here I go. Uh, Before I get into what I watched this past week, I wanted to mention my mom, uh, who is a great listener of the show. Yes. A vowed fan. She had actually uh, brought up that I forgot to mention a movie from a previous rundown and I God forbid that I ever forget a movie that I mentioned for the Letterbox Rundown. Um, so I want to make sure that I mentioned uh, I rewatched with my parents over the Christmas break Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which ah. is one of my favorite movies ever. Wow. Uh, have, you, have you seen that? Yep. Okay. Love that movie. So rewatched that. That's a retroactive one. Now Good. let's get into. Mom, checking in on you, making sure you keep, you know. I know. I appreciated it. Uh, so I did, I watched this documentary on HBO called Murder on Middle Beach. And actually, mm-hmm. quick question. This is a tangent, but related. Have you noticed on Letterboxd, um, certain miniseries, like Letterboxd includes television miniseries as... Yeah, but not TV shows. Not TV shows, but miniseries. And what do you think of that? I never log those, so I'm not sure if I have an opinion on Okay, that. so I'm pretty torn on whether or not to log them. So I, I logged it. Murder on Middle Beach is a four-part miniseries. Uh, it's directed by this guy who, um, his mom was murdered, and he investigates the murder of his own mother. Uh, Very tragic, sad, uh, mm. but interesting. Did I, you watch that with your mother? Did I did she not. say, would you do this for me, son, no. if I got murdered? <laughs> no, I didn't. Um and then I watched Thelma and Louise for the first time in my life. Nice. Have you Great seen that? Great film. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe I've never seen that. Soundtrack is credible. I watched Eve's Bayou. Oh, I haven't seen that. I want to see that. That is by, who's the director? Uh, her name is Casey Lemons. Oh, Casey Lemons, of course. Of mm-hmm. course. Um, and then I watched um, <laughs> Sully. <laughs> You know why? Why did you watch that uh, so, um, you know how I'm, Was that directed by Clint Eastwood? It is. So I'm friends okay. with... You, you know, I have a friend. I have friends that I play trivia with remotely. Yep. Uh, they're from far-flung corners of the globe. We have Toronto. We have wow. South Georgia. We have 
London, England. Um, and so some of us got together and did a remote virtual watch of nice. Sully because it's kind of a so bad it's good. Yeah. I don't know if it's so bad it's good. Um, it's too long for that, I It's think. too long. I mean, it was like 96, 97 minutes. Wow. It, it shouldn't be a second over 30 minutes. It was bad. Mm. It's a bad movie. I don't recommend it. Um, but I had a fun time, you know, chatting in the Instagram thread with my pals about how bad That's it was. Good. So, yeah, that was my week in movies. That's your letterboxed rundown. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, on to next business. Patrick, do we have a sponsor this weekend? Oh. We're on a good roll. Casey, we sure do have a sponsor this week. And our sponsor of this episode is Christian Duenas. Oh my God, celebrity producer at MaximumFun.org, my co-worker, my friend. I just had a happy hour drink with him via Zoom last night. Oh, you did? Yeah. Huh, funny I wasn't invited. It was more of a one-on-one kind of fun, like intimate sort oh, of thing. It's kind of nice to have me in those things, just so you know. You have never met him in real well, life. Well, we so have a great if... connection via IG, so why don't you stop okay. trampling? Anyways, very kind and generous, and apparently we are now legally obligated um, to refer to Christian as the executive producer of the show. Oh. So apparently $20 hmm. and you get an executive producer. <laughs> I didn't realize that we were offering that. It must have been in some sort of bylaw that we allowed. Yeah, such. I think it was a loophole that Christian exploited and somehow we have and to now honor he's that. Our bo- and he's our boss and he could fire <laughs> either of us at any moment. Yeah, now don't you go sticking Christian on Brad. Leave Brad alone. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how much time you want to dedicate to Brad. <laughs> Brad... I don't want to talk about Brad. All right, we want to talk about Brad. Brad's... <laughs> but Christian, thank you very enemy. much. Uh, thank you, Christian. That is wonderful. That's so kind. I appreciate the support. You listening to the show and also sub- uh, sponsoring. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. I think other listeners should aspire to be the kind of fan that Christian is. Christian is a dedicated, dedicated fan. Ooh, should we have like tiers of fandom? I think we should do tiers of fandom. I think we should make it into a competitive thing. Okay, and it doesn't have to be demarcated by, uh, or you don't get, you don't uh, rise in status or stature in the fandom by donating money. It's more of like how much they can kiss up to us. Yes. So it's all about ego inflation. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, Christian. And if anybody else wants to sponsor the show, it's ten dollars to sponsor a show. Twenty five dollars if you want to prescribe us a drink to drink on the show uh which every time i kind of say that i get a little scared that someone's gonna i don't know so far it hasn't been abused well Um, well, it's a relatively new well the strawberries was abusive okay yes so uh, 25 for the prescription drink uh and you can do that by uh venmoing patrick at patrick dash malin patrick dash malin so yes thank you to everyone who has done it and to those who will do it in the future. Yes, please um, do. Patrick, let's do it. Let's get into this movie discussion. Here we go. He's rubbing his hands together, people. Fart. Um, like I said at the top of the show, this is Fart House. We watch the artsiest fartiest film so that you can pretend that you did. Today, we are talking about The Music Room, uh, which is a 1957 film by Sat. Dajit Rai. Uh, we will, uh, so we'll be putting that through the fartsy test. Uh, Patrick will give it a drink pairing. Very curious to see what he says about the, what kind of drink he gives uh, pairs with that today. Maybe some sherbet that was in the movie. <laughs> um, and uh, at the end, we'll give each other notes to improve the show. But Patrick, 
Do you own this movie and have you seen it before? I do not own it and I had not seen it. And I maybe Have you get- seen anything by Satyajit Satyajit Rai? No, this is the first film I'd seen and I actually I'm giving away information that we may reveal on a future podcast, but I own the Criterion Collection uh, Blu-ray trilogy, the Apu trilogy, which you'll probably mention in a minute. Uh, I yes. own that. Have not seen any of those. And so, so you do. Okay. How long have you owned that? <laughs> at least three or four years. Oh, boy. At least. It hasn't and it's so it. funny it's... that I picked that we watch Music Room. Not even one of the ones that I owned. <laughs> I know, you fool. Is the plastic wrap still on it? Have you opened it up, looked at the little book inside yes. at all? Yes. Yeah. The shrink okay. wrap is off. Um, yeah. Some listeners will recall. The real ones will recall that I do have some Criterion Blu-rays still in shrink wrap. Uh, but the Apu trilogy has been unsheathed, but has not been viewed. There's still virgin worry? discs. Do you ever worry that during an earthquake, your DVDs could tumble and crush you to death? <laughs> I'm less worried about that with my DVDs and more worried about that with my books. They're heavier. Okay. You've got a lot of books, too, I feel like. Yeah. You've got a lot of stuff. i got a lot there. of stuff. Uh, okay, yeah. So the music room... Uh, directed by Satajit Rai. Uh, he also directed the Apu trilogy, like Patrick said, the one that he owns and is probably never going to watch because <laughs> life is very short. And he's also done The Big City and Charulata. Um, he is from Calcutta, India. He's kind of the premier fartour from India, mm-hmm. I would say. He's kind of like Ingmar Bergman to Sweden where he's like a national treasure kind of or like thought of as like the country's greatest filmmaker, would mm-hmm. you say? Oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone, at least, I mean, we're not as familiar with Indian cinema, but I would. I don't no. know if anyone comes close. At least not on the international stage, no one else comes close. No. He's like, I mean, he's like the Francois Truffaut of uh, India. Or the Kurosawa of India. The Kurosawa of India. And, um, yeah, I was trying to think of, like, what other Indian filmmakers do I know? And I only could come up with two, and they're both women, Deepa Mehta and Mira Nair and or Nair. I only know um, Mira Nair. Who's the uh, first one you said? Deepa Mehta. She was actually a uh, uh, a guest lecturer at our film school when I was in mm. college. So we watched a, a few of her movies, and they were pretty good. Um, but yeah, I don't. I feel it's interesting too because Bollywood is so big. You think we would know? They're pumping out so many movies. You think we would be more aware of? them i don't know it's if it's more insular or what yeah i don't don't know what the answer to that is yeah i know i'm surprised that we haven't heard because you know like you said they have a pretty thriving um cinematic scene yeah so i don't know why it hasn't i don't know we just i guess in the states we just think our shit don't stink anyways the movie we're talking about today let's just jump right into it patrick let's do it uh it, it's one of those great movies. It's regarded by the cinema community as one of the greatest films of all time. We're doing a lot of those on this show. And it is... It's one of uh, Sarajit Rai's um, most popular movies, I would say. It's up there. It's pretty well known. Yeah, apparently and, it was a huge hit, I mean, relatively financially in the United States and Europe. Not as much in India. In fact, it was panned in India when it was first released and then became a... A critical darling, as the cliche goes. Which is goes. funny that it was panned because it's not like, what's what's to pan? It's just like a solidly well-made movie. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah, I don't Let's know. get into the synopsis here a little bit, Patrick, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, so it is the main character. I'm just going to call him Roy. Yeah. 
Um, he is kind of like he's he is he holds this designation. He's very rich. He lives in this palatial palace estate. He's got all these servants. He is a zaminder, which is kind of a duke or landlord of a certain state. It's kind of like the chief factor in First Cow, if you remember that character last week, Patrick. I do. Kind of just like a rich person who is in charge of the area because he's like rich and powerful and he owns a bunch of land. Um, Typically, it it was passed on uh, hereditarily. Zaminders held enormous tracts of land and control over their peasants and the people in the area. They're kind of like little, they're like princes, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would tax them on behalf of the imperial courts. So they're kind of in charge of their area and they sort of talk to the bigger government um but this sort of system was abolished during the land reforms in india in 1951 so this is kind of about an older time or a fading time mm-hmm. um and uh so this guy roy he is just cuckoo for music patrick <laughs> he loves, he loves music and it's become an issue because he has this thing called the music room where he invites famous musicians to come and play there and his wife is like we're out of money (laughs) (laughs) and you cannot keep hiring all these musicians to come play in our music room it's like you inviting steven machmas into your new bedroom to start doing i would never do that patrick (laughs) i was gonna say this guy reminds me of patrick he's a fiend for live music can't get enough of it i was absolutely i mean we'll get into this a little bit more but i just was in love with the music sequences in this movie the music sequences were great very long in this movie patrick did you relate to him just being you know like spending a, a gobbles of money on on uh, no, uh, good times and music i mean we could we, well, let's just jump into everything right we're doing better at just jumping into shit right we'll yeah we're around. jumping in. let me just i'll just finish i'll just tie a little bow okay. on this synopsis yeah, a little here. Bow. so he's he keeps spending money he's like out of money there's um and his wife is like you cannot spend any more money this other rich guy in the neighborhood who's kind of like a self-starter made ma- uh he self-made man he is kind of competing with Roy. Yeah, and he's like technically from a lower, he's like a yeah. lesser pedigree than Roy. But he has much more money because he's like successful at business and Roy hasn't kept up his lands. He has no money. And so the new guy, the new young guy whose name is... Um, it's Mahim is it Gang- Guglani. Gaguli, yeah. Yeah, Gaguli. And he's like... Uh, the so basically he's like I'm throwing a big party on New Year's you should come over and like Roy is so proud and an asshole he's like oh you didn't get the invite I'm actually throwing a party on New Year's Eve <laughs> and the servant's face is like uh, and the servants are like what, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about Patrick Roy scooped Ganguly he scooped Ganguly. he scooped him <laughs> that was a cruel scoop a very cruel scooping because Ganguly was like all the plans have been made. Everything's been ordered. It's a huge party. I guess I have to defer to, you know, my royal duke man. Right. So uh, Roy's kid and uh, wife are away. And because they're doing this surprise party, he's like, get them back here yeah, immediately. He summons his, his, who knows how far away they are, but they're not close. They have to come back via boat. <laughs> yeah. And they die in a cyclone because of his like greed basically. And for the rest of the, he basically bankrupts himself. It's a tragedy. He like bankrupts himself trying to keep up with this rich guy, even after it basically killed his wife and mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. So he didn't seem particularly, if, I mean, he was kind of affected by their deaths, but also not really. He's still, like yeah. you say, it was just like to the bitter end 
just continuing to claw for that sort of um what's the, not not fame but sort of that admiration keeping up with the joneses keeping up with the joneses sort of. that's the theme of this movie keeping up with the joneses it is <laughs> it truly is yeah. i really liked this movie it's very simple it's kind of a it almost could be like a short but because there's a lot of drawn out glances and looks and like scenes and there's a lot of long music sequences but it kind of reminded me of like American movies about greed, like There Will Be Blood or A Place in the Sun or The Magnificent Ambersons, sort of these people that like got a lot of money and then kind of fell from grace, mm-hmm. sort of. Yeah, it's kind of like um, who read, I don't I don't necessarily endorse his novels. I, I used to like them a little bit more, but have you ever read any uh, Jonathan Franzen? Uh, yes. It was kind of a Jonathan Franzen yeah. element too to this to this movie of sort of this um, fall from grace due to yeah. own selfishness and pride and inability to get the fuck out of one's own way <laughs> yes 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 and that yes. is definitely very much one of the dominant themes of the music room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think this movie really resonate i might i'm gonna get a little transparent here here Let's do it. So one thing that i think i don't know if i necess- i think a lot of people struggle sometimes with this uh, probably the preponderance of human beings on planet Earth. But there's a tendency to compare what one yes. has to what the other has. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, you know, I struggle with. And it's a prominent fixture in my therapeutic discussions mm. uh, with my doctor. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, it really shouldn't, matter like it's all it kind of and i'm thinking about this in relationship to first cow too with how life is finite and everything is finite um and i just i keep thinking about in this movie how how inconsequential things like the music room really are how inconsequential things like pageantry and ornate having furniture room, not this movie right 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 yes but, how, like, having a music room yes because uh, that's a, that's like a big that's like a big point of yeah. honor or like it's a expensive thing to have in your house in this movie exactly and it is really cool like I said before like I to me the music sequences were absolutely were just like hypnotic I thought it was so they were good bops. so good and you know the a lot of folks uh, if you're Wes Anderson fans you'll recognize the opening title music is also the opening sequence from the Darjeeling Limited it's the same music. Um, in the very beginning of the Darjeeling Limited. Yes. Um, and so it's kind of fun when you kind of hear that. And you're like, oh, I recognize this. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What were some things that you kind of... I mean, keeping up with the Joneses is definitely... That's kind of like basically that's what I was just saying. Whole, is, yeah, that's the whole the whole thing. Well, thank you for sharing that, Patrick. One thing I was... I, I thought about you because uh, the wife is like, I'm worried to leave you to your own devices. And that's how I feel sometimes when I leave visiting Patrick. I'm like, how much... <laughs> what, what, what is he going to purchase? What, what ridiculous DVD package is he going to send away for? So I related to the wife. I'm sure you related to Roy. I've been some, very um, restrained lately. And in fact... Um, uh, our our uh, guest, our former guest, Clay Keller, friend of the pod. Yes. Um, I saw on Twitter. Um, I don't know if he'd like me divulging this, but it was on a public. It was in a public it was on forum. Um, someone, I guess, there's like a hashtag like Blu-ray deals, which is a very dangerous hashtag for me to even get involved Do not with. Click on that hashtag. But someone had posted about a Blu-ray deal for this. Ha- so Hammer Films, this this mm-hmm. British, yes. yeah, you know about Hammer Films. Um, 
get very like gothic horror sometimes a little bit usually a little bit on the sillier side or at least now it seems a little bit more they also did, uh, christopher lee they did all the christopher lee dracula movies um anyways <laughs> they someone posted about it and clay keller responded he was like just purchased this without even looking at the titles and so then I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to get these 20 Hammer movies for $20 on Blu-ray. And oh, I didn't do it. Boy. I Good. didn't do it. And I went to, it was like deepdiscount.com. And I was browsing and looking to see what Criterion Collection movies. I didn't purchase a thing. I've been good. I'm trying. I'm, it's a new me. It's kind of like, an, it's like when an alcoholic goes to a bar and he's like shot of whiskey. And he's like, has it in his hand. And then he <laughs> decides to dump it out, Patrick. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um... The other thing I was thinking about this, I'm like, what what I want, you know, he's in a palatial estate, mm-hmm. huge. Would you, do you ever fantasize about like having a, like not just a house, but like a gigantic house with like servants and stuff? No, I, I don't really. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I asked a friend the other day, like if he would rather continue, he lives in San Diego in a nice apartment. And I was like, would you live in a eight bedroom four bathroom mansion in nebraska and no shade to nebraskans but you can shade them yeah it's we're fine. gonna shade I'm nebraskans the Midwest, yeah. i'll allow it <laughs> and he chose the uh the mansion in nebraska hmm and i was Not- like but uh, what you could have all the space in the world but what what does that get you you're just in nebraska yeah. i mean you how know- much space do you need to fuck about i mean what are you gonna do with all that space well, I guess. Have I mean, you do you ever want that? The, have you ever seen the movie? Be, I don't want that. But if I have you ever seen the movie Being There with Peter Sellers? No, I'm embarrassed to say I have it. That's a Hal Ashby, right? Oh, Patrick. That's Hal Ashby. Is it Hal so Ashby? Embarrassed. It's Hal Is Ashby. It Hal Ashby? <laughs> but uh, there's a most of it takes place in like this giant mansion outside of Washington D.C. And there's like all these people who work there. I don't know. It seems kind of fun to be waited on and like have such so much space. It's like this is my music room. You this know, is my <laughs> my guest room. This is my one, library numbered one. My movie theater and stuff. I I I would feel guilty for spending so much money on that, but mm-hmm. there is part of me that kind of wants a butler. I've seen. <laughs> Will I've, you be my butler, Patrick? <laughs> yeah. I've what if you fell on hard times and you had to be my butler? That seems that'd be mm, kind of fun. I mean, I the pay would have to be so good. I, you'd have to pay me two hundred fifty k a year at least. Oh, okay. So two hundred fifty k a year. Would you like? Okay, let's say you became Te, uh, what's his name? What the fucker's name? Musk. Jeff Bezos. No, well, he's a fucker too. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Let's say you married Grimes and Musk in this weird thruple polygamist, <laughs> okay, Mars marriage, and all of a sudden you become part of this billion dollar fortune would you hire uh-huh. me two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year if i was in this thruple that sounds like hell and a nightmare <laughs> with grimes like the and weirdest elon musk yeah they seem like the weirdest people and i feel like it would be like an alien house and we'd like <laughs> sleep in a pot of cryogenic slime or something it would be like i don't know it just seems awful <laughs> uh but i would hire you for more than that patrick uh, okay so good. The only mansion, the mansion, the opulent mansion, at least right now, that's coming to mind immediately, and it's taking up all the real estate in my frontal lobe. It's living in your head rent free. It's living in my head rent free. Is, is the estate from Richie Rich. Ah. And I think that is something I could get on board with. 
Is that based on the fact that there's a working McDonald's? That is about 94% of why. (laughs) You have your own McDonald's? No way! That was like, it's just funny. That's like, that was such smart filmmaking because that is, it's like such a small thing compared to like all the other stuff. But it's like, that's the thing everyone remembers. (laughs) There was a McDonald's in their house. It's like an iconic scene of McDonald's and the Richie Rich Yes, I yes, that is that's good. They also had a, like a Mount Rushmore of themselves. Yes, that was another. Uh, what's what's the guy's John Larroquette? I remember you're a big John, John Larroquette fan. Yes, that kind of movie would not get made now because people would be too mad at this. Like no one would want to root for such a right. rich family. <laughs> I know. Well, that's actually that kind of reminds me of the other thing that I kind of wanted to say about this movie. Getting back to the music room. Yes. Um, I you know I think. Everything is, there's politics infused with everything on earth. And so when people say, oh, I'm not into politics, it's like, well, okay, but you have to be because everything is political in one way or another. Yeah, everything. I mean, even like Wonder Woman 1984 is like weirdly like, there's your favorite movie. Shades from of like CIA propaganda. In yeah. Wonder Woman 1984. But so when I started the music room, um, I started watching it. And I immediately started thinking about it through this lens of British imperialism and colonialism. Mm, Yeah. And so I was kind of like trying so hard to view it through that lens and trying to like incorporate all these contextual elements and history. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not that smart. I'm kind of a dumbass. Like, why am I trying to sort of like do this? Like, I don't know about, you know, the history of the British in India. I don't know about the India before the British, after the British, Independent of the British. I don't know that much about it. Yeah. And so then I kind of had to shift my mindset and realize that you can also watch movies. I mean, this is obvious, but you can watch movies without thinking about politics and thinking about it as a very, it's still a political movie, but you can think about the simple human elements of the story. And what we've discussed before, the human elements of the story are this, um, this uncontrollable urge to try and keep up with everyone else and to try and maintain a certain level of appearance or project a certain type of wealth or status for whatever reason, just to kind of just to sustain that just so you can show other people that you are this way, but for no reason. That's fucking weird. Yeah. I think you bring up a, and it's you universal. Know, a big... That thing is universal. Yeah. I think you're so right. Like when this started this watching this movie, I was like, I have no concept of like Indian society or like I know there's like a caste system but I don't know any of this historical stuff and you don't need to know that Mm -mm. at all I mean I looked up that stuff afterward and it sort of enriched my watching of it but it didn't affect my enjoyment at all and that's why I get annoyed when movies are like this is a little bit different but like movies that are adapted from books and like the thing that happened in the book happens in the movie but it doesn't work in the movie and then people's reply will be like, well, that's how it happened in the book as if that absolves the movie from doing the thing. It's like, it still has to work as a film. Mm -hmm. You can't make a political film good if it doesn't work as a piece of art. Right. Uh, Well, Patrick, let's get to the fartsy test here. Yes, let's go. Okay, so 
The fartsy test is used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy-fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document. It's changing all the time, which reminds me, Patrick, do you have anything you want to add? We haven't added anything or taken anything away from the fartsy test in a while. Is it? Do you think it's lacking something? Mm. I'm putting you no, on no, the no, spot that's okay. here, so I, I apologize. Don't think, I, I will reflect on it tomorrow on my run. Uh, but I don't think mm, it's reflect. lacking. Nothing immediately comes to mind as uh, a deficiency in our proprietary system. It's not perfect. I'm not saying that. But nothing is immediately coming to mind as a as a problem. Okay, I, I I'm 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 toying with an idea. I'm 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 between my thumb Spit and index finger. Fetch. I'm rolling it around like a little booger. Uh, okay. But I'm percolate, I, it's not ready. Yet. It's not ready yet. So uh, I'm gonna let that percolate tomorrow. Not on my run because I don't. <laughs> exercise okay so patrick is there suicide in this movie i am gonna say yes at the end of the film he's kind of (laughs) this roy guys let his life go to shit and he hasn't come downstairs from his mansion in like years and so finally he comes down and he's like i want to ride my horse and his servants are like um Uh, you're like a dying old man, but they let him and he runs into a boat. It's like beached on the like beached yeah. and it's he, like he dies. It felt and suicidal it felt because there's suicidal. this big, I don't know if spire is the word, but there's this big sharp wooden thing on the bow. Do you know boat, boat terminology? What's the bow and what's the stern? I should know more about boat terminology because I'm watching below deck so much, but I don't. <laughs> I don't have an answer. But anyways, he yeah he he uh, takes his horse and they ride directly towards this beached boat and he kind of flings him. He kind of jumps from the horse. I guess it's a it's kind of you know it, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, quote unquote suicide from the red shoes. Real yes, ones it's, will it's recall also the silly red shoes suicide because they don't you know there's no special effects. This this fat old actor isn't riding that horse you know so they'll cut to his head kind of bopping up and down like he's riding a horse it's very silly it's a little it's it's yeah and then it cuts to him like just on the ground looking kind of okay but and then they show the and then one of the servants say there's blood and then you see some blood underneath him and uh okay are there inexplicable images that seem utterly unnecessary uh, there are some long shots in this movie that I would have been like, we can cut right here, Mr. Editor. Um, and there's a lot of like cutting back to the chandelier, which I don't quite know what that means, but yeah, that was, yeah, that was interesting. I, the chandelier was kind of an interesting motif. I'm not sure why it was featured so prominently. There's probably something there that we're not smart enough to. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, Does someone masturbate? No, there's not any like sex in this movie at all. It's not a sexual Mm -mm. movie. I mean, he could have masturbated in any room in that house because Mm -hmm. uh, it was so big and empty. So that's something to to ponder, you know, on second watch. (laughs) Um, is the movie over two hours can you start watching it after 8pm without falling asleep it's not over two hours but I would highly encourage you not to watch this movie after 8pm because it is Mm -mm. slow it's in black and white Patrick you texted me in fear and anguish 
being like, what is the print like this the whole movie? Because it is very scratchy. It's very scratchy. It was, and you were right. It's, at first I was like skeptical. I was like, what's this guy talking about? And then it's really just the opening titles. I think it's because Dark. it's, it was set against black. Yeah, black background. So you can, the scratches are much more prominent, but it actually did look pretty good. I, here's the thing. Considered. I think the transfer was good. Like they did a good job of scanning it, but the print itself seemed damaged. Like there were like scratches in it that I could actually mm-hmm. see, but it looked good. And I thought the shot, I thought this like the camera work and like the shots, it actually made it seem like a more recent film than 1957. Yes. Just the way it was it like th- shot and framed and like close-ups yes. and zoom-ins and like dolly yes. shots and stuff. I thought that was actually exactly. it was shot pretty well. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Oh, you're so I welcome, ex- Patrick. I had the exact same thoughts. It definitely felt very contemporary in terms of the style of filmmaking. And you could see how um, this movie had influenced Martin Scorsese. There were a couple Zoom dolly type shots, especially when they were um, listening to the performers in the music yeah. room. They would kind of zoom in on Roy or Mahim Gangli or other listeners. And it was definitely pretty reminiscent of, or at least Scorsese's work is reminiscent of Rise camera work, yeah I definitely like, like it, i feel like there were like shots of like rye lying down like smoking a cigarette and it's like zooming in on him while he's like listening to music that felt very martin scorsese-esque it did is there an inordinate amount of milling about oh yeah, yeah. he's most of the movie is like him walking around his house with a cane <laughs> yeah. were you confused at the beginning that it was a flashback i huh like the beginning of the movie was the future after his son had been killed and then it flashed back to before his son had kill, been killed? It was? Yeah. I, I wondered why his hair looked different in different parts. Why he looked older at the beginning and then he went younger and then he got older again? Yeah. So it like oh. it started because it starts with like he hears music at his neighbor's house that he hates mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, he's having a party over there. It's like, do you want to go? And he's like, no. Well, you know, that's an interesting and, new dimension to the whole movie because then it just shows how he's been such a fucked up asshole for so long and just yeah when i watch the movies for this show i like to pay attention and take notes mm, and i'm not just yeah like and that's like yeah it's not what i want to do yeah <laughs> so uh i don't know that's that might be a helpful note oh, thank for you, you. So you can be more an engaged viewer on the movies um would you rather read 10 pages of david foster wallace than watch this movie my answer is no but this is like one of those broccoli academic movies i would say mm-hmm. And that reminded me too. Um, remember, we were doing like badges. Yeah, medallions. Medallions. Well, I think this is the broccoli homework. Broccoli medallion. homework, medallion. and that sounds like a bad medallion. And sometimes it will be a bad medallion. It's not bad in this case, but I feel like this is sort of a broccoli homeworky sort of movie. Well, it's kind of like you know, an English class in high school. You're like, I don't want to read this fucking German or Russian tome. Like this mm-hmm. Dostoevsky book, but then you read it. And well, I would, I would like that, but there's other stuff I wouldn't want to read. For a normal human, they would say, <laughs> I don't want to read that. But, and, but then you're like, oh, I enjoyed that. Or, you know, like mm-hmm. something you have to do for school that you're like, I'm dreading this, but I actually kind of got something for it. This was that kind of movie. Okay, Patrick, what pretentious thing could you say about this movie? What I would say is that, you know, contentment, you know, and really any sort of form but let's just say the general conception of contentment or happiness it's fleeting and evasive Amen. and what this movie is saying is that if you attempt to derive self-import or some sort of meaning of life 
uh, for yourself via comparison to others, it'll invariably lead you to ruin. In other words, if you're obsessed with what others have yeah. and you are so preoccupied with everyone else and wanting to do better than them because you have uh, indicated that others' success is the barometer for your success, that's only going to lead you down Sad town. a dark, dark path. Um, yeah. So that's what I say. Uh, yeah, I think that's very good. I don't have that problem so much with like possessions, but like definitely career advancement like how far yeah i have it more with career i don't have it so much with possessions either it's more with career so you don't you don't uh pine over things that i own um Mm -mm. yeah but like people's career i get i can really get me in a dark place when i think about that Mm -hmm. stuff and it's just it's not useful it is not useful and i feel like Mm -mm. which is annoying because it's like i feel like millennials are it's always like use that rage and like double down and like blah 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 it's like no that's not good that's bad right that's not healthy either and it's like you know i really like my life yeah i'm happy with my life i'm pretty content yeah and so i just need to i think there's a lot of good stuff to be thankful for yeah and it's it's not helpful to go and look and see what other people are doing um it's just you it's not it's, it's never ever going to get you to a place that's going to make you feel good. Yeah. Even if you say, oh, it'll motivate you to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, you're getting, then you're motivated for the wrong yeah, reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's no so. contentment, like you, you said. I like that word. Um, yeah. One thing, I, I, I don't really know what to make of this, but it's sort of a theme I th- thought of when, uh, during the film, everything he has gets destroyed by water. Like his crops mm. are getting flooded. And so that's why he's lost a lot of his money because he didn't tend to his land well enough. And so now they're like flooded and messed up. His family was killed via cyclone. And then he mm-hmm. kills himself by running into a boat at the end. So mm-hmm. it's almost like this like life force because he is so sedentary and just like spending and not moving it's almost like the life found a way to destroy him and like move him to you know it's like you can't stop life from affecting you so yeah i don't know do you think that's a interesting reading you think that's pretty yeah i like that a lot especially too because there's there's a particular um scene when he's in the I think that's a really good reading on it because there's a particular scene when he's in the music room and it's the scene uh, where he has summoned his wife and son home to come to this fabulous performance. Got to get to the party. uh, They got to get to the party and he's looking at his drink and some sort of bug, a cricket or some sort of bug is like drowning in his drink. And it's obviously a foreshadowing of the death of his wife and son. You don't, you kind of feel that it's coming. Um, but it definitely sort of emphasizes your point of this theme of uh, water being sort of a harbinger of negative yeah. things. Negative things. Film. Uh, oh, one funny thing that I like that he did, because he's like, Roy is like a little bitch. And it like, yeah. his enemy, uh, Mahim, comes over and he, he like... And as soon as he finds out he's coming over, he like picks up a newspaper and pretends to be reading. And then <laughs> Mahim is mm-hmm. like, Roy, Roy, I wanted to talk to you about, I'm having a, I want, I wanted to ask you about business or something. And Roy looks up and he goes, hmm, what? Like he didn't hear him. And I was like, yeah. it's like such a bitchy power move. I thought that was really funny that he did that. Okay. Patrick, what is your score on this movie? 
You want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Wait, let me. I want to come up mine. Un, un. I have to come up with mine. I'm calculating. I don't want it to be uh, touched by yours. Okay, go. Eight point two. Wow. Mine is seven point one. Really? Yeah. I almost went seven point nine, and then just like let me. Seven point six five is our final score. That seems about right. I mean, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. It, it's an old movie, so that that definitely adds to the fartsy scale. It's old. It's, it's harder old. to watch. It's boring. You know, subtitles black and white. Subtitles black and white. It's on the Criterion Channel for God's sakes. Uh, but also, this felt like I said this felt like a classic American movie in some ways. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it, so. I can see how this took Europe and the United States by storm, again, yeah. a relative term, uh, when it uh, was released overseas. I, I can really see how it was a uh, a hit. Cool. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Patrick, do you have a drink pairing for us? I do. Um, so again, I, I sort of take a sort of reductive approach to the drink pairings sometimes. That's good. And maybe this isn't a particularly creative thing, but it was, I still thought it was interesting. One thing that I kind of wanted to do is maybe there's a few drinks out there with like cardamom infusions or oh. cardamom syrup. I didn't end up doing that because I didn't have enough time and didn't think it out far enough in advance. But there's a very old cocktail, I think late 19th century, early 20th century Real ones all now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's called the East India Cocktail. And, you know, the East India Company was a trading company in London. You know, obviously London had colonized India and they had a trading company called the East India Trading Company. And at this sort of club, uh, there was a bar and there was a cocktail that supposedly was developed there at the bar of the East India Trading Company, like, club for the members. And it's called the East India Cocktail, and it's a, it's an old cocktail. It's been around for a long time. Um, let's see what the earliest... Oh, yeah, 1900 is the earliest recorded recipe for mm. the East India Cocktail. 1900. So it's been around for a long time. Wow. And uh, it's the, the ingredients aren't necessarily um, Indian or s- subcontinental Asia, um, they're definitely exotic to London, to the United Kingdom or England, uh, but it's um, cognac, which of course mm-hmm. is a European uh, yes. based spirit. Um, and there's orange curacao. Very um, good. And there's pineapple juice. Ooh, I'm liking um, so far. This variation that I tried had a splash of rum, like a dark okay. rum, just to give it kind of a, sort of a funky, molassesy, sort of boozy hit. Sure. And then a couple of dashes of orange bitters. Ooh. Yeah. So the East India cocktail, I think most folks could make this at home pretty easily. Um, It doesn't, you know, there's all sorts of orange, orange curacao's out there. Also, you know, triple sex. You could do Grand Marnier, Cointreau. Um, I did Pierre Ferrand. Um, I got to get into the rum drinks at home. I I make mostly gin cocktails at home for whatever reason because i like gin Gin cocktails are great and they're the ones that leave me at least feeling drunk the least shitty after oh Oh, okay um like rum rum and whiskey can just fuck you up they're just so high in sugar yeah Yeah. and gin is just a a much more gentle spirit Mm, the gentleman's drink well thank you patrick Yes, my pleasure. That was a good pairing. Good job. 
gold star you. for you, buddy. Um, now, you. Patrick, here comes the uh, here comes the part of the show <sighs> where we give each other notes for future episodes. Um, I kind of already gave you mine. You know, if you want to watch the movie, we take notes. Uh, <laughs> don't have your phone on you. Are you do you, do you have your phone? I'm I'm being kind of serious here. Do you when you watch stuff? Do you try not to look at your phone? Do, you, do is that something that you actively think about when you're watching a movie yes yes absolutely and in fact i'm getting better about um what i try to do when i'm watching a movie not for this show is i leave my phone in the other room that's good i i try to do that and then this is speaks to the perversion of um our generation and actually not just our generation of i think our culture at large is the compulsion to kind of record everything and to broadcast everything and you know, I will record and broadcast movies that I'm watching on my Instagram so I can see all my little followers who are watching it. And then I get those dopamine hits like, oh, they watched it. They watched it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I'm creating content. Oh. And it's like this pleasurable thing. But I really need to set that aside and realize that I will derive more pleasure if I watch the movie without my phone than I will if I watch the movie with my phone, recording it and posting it and looking to see who's... It's just not... It's not worth it. So I'm trying to be better about it. But then for this, I keep my phone because I write my notes on my phone and it's... I do too. I... It's... You know, I think that it can be exhausting. Like, looking at your phone, I don't think I realize how much it actually, like, tires out my brain. Mm -hmm. And so I don't feel like I enjoy the movie as much and I feel more tired out at the end of watching a boring movie if I'm like have been looking at my phone you know what I mean yeah Uh, I don't feel as much tired out I just feel like I'm missing so much mm. like I'm not my brain is not I used I think I feel like my brain is good at multitasking or carrying multiple things in it but it's really not I have I'm pretty singular focused so it's it's hard for me to do that so i try to ignore my phone it can be hard to take notes for this show too when we have a subtitled movie because i'll be like what they say i didn't i like i i can't look away from the screen to take my hilarious write my little hilarious (laughs) jab that i'm gonna say at patrick during the show i know (laughs) yeah i had to pause multiple times to make sure i got down my let me see if there are little things i want to uh say to you that might just offend you into oblivion so you don't have a note for me though Hmm. I would like it. Um. So you and Trisha just moved into a new uh, apartment Island in Highland Park. Park. Yep. And what I'm thinking is when y'all are getting ready to move to your next uh, location, maybe it's uh, where you're, you're home. Maybe it's where you'll sit down roots. Yeah. I think you should prioritize a music room. I think that'd be fun oh, to know someone okay. with, think- a, with a music room. And then I would invite and pay, spend our fortune on... Uh, mm-hmm. Paying musicians to come play in our room. Yes, I As think that'd be to, fun. I think we would all appreciate it. We would. We wouldn't contribute, of course. You'd provide the booze. Well, and the I food would have to tip the, first, too. Yes, you would also have I, to tip first. And yeah, I'd provide the wine and the hookah. But imagine the. Um, cachet you'd have in our friend circle as being the guy with the music room. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty just cool. undermining everything we just said. About he <laughs> really loved music. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a funny vice. Like, yes. Yeah. The movie treated music as a vice. It was very strange. Yeah. So wife was like, your son has inherited your vices. (laughs) And it's like, mom hates rock and roll. Yeah. He's not like a womanizer or a drug addict. He just likes sitting and listening to music. I mean, I guess perfectly still in his house listening to music. (laughs) 40 feet away from her. Yeah. But I don't think she was allowed in the music room. 
when I the don't music know if she was. There weren't any women in the music. That sucks. <laughs> Maybe she wasn't allowed. Yeah. Um. Okay, Patrick. Guess what? That's our what? show. We made another. Oh one. fuck! Does that mean you have to go, <laughs> Patrick? You know, Patrick. Huh. This weekend is my birthday. I know. It's on my radar. Oh, good. It's a little blip on your radar. No, it's so, on my calendar. I'm trying to have a fun little week here. I took Friday off, so I have a four-day weekend. There's mm. some great football games this weekend. <sighs> uh, other than that, we have some big news. Next week, we have a guest again. I teased this a little bit at the top of the show, but we're going to be discussing the movie Mikey and Nikki, a movie I have seen, Patrick has not, directed by the great Elaine May, who is one half of Nichols and May, the comedy duo in the 60s. Mike Nichols went on to direct The Graduate. Elaine May has written and directed a lot of great stuff too. And we're going to be joined by Mia Giacino, a.k.a. Brat Pitt on Letterboxd. If you don't know who she is, she is the most, I think she is the most followed person on Letterboxd. She's like Letterboxd royalty. She's also a film critic and a writer, and we're really excited to have her on the show. I've never met her. So this will be exciting too. She seems like a fart head at her heart, you know? So based on her reviews, she seems really funny and smarter than us uh, way smarter than us uh so that'll be that'll be fun i'm really looking forward to that um and yeah mikey and nikki it's a great movie with peter falk and john cassavetes it's on hbo max i believe right now Mm. and the criterion channel anyways if you want to sponsor the show you can venmo patrick at patrick-mallon if you want to follow fart house on twitter it's fart house pod on twitter Instagram, it's Fart House Podcast. Patrick's Twitter is Patrick R. Mallon. His Instagram and Letterboxd are PR Mallon. I'm Casey Lee O'Brien on all of those services. Oh, and if you want to leave us a five-star review and tell me a nickname, I call Patrick each week. Please do so. This week, his nickname was Burger King. Called him King a few times there. Try to sprinkle it in. Maybe I'll do that a little bit more uh, if it's a really good nickname. So please leave us a five-star review. It really helps with people discovering our show. And uh, yeah, tell a friend if you like the show. Uh, uh, Patrick, do you have any thoughts, uh, prayers, or anything you want to say to our listening audience before we depart? Stay safe in the coming days. Mm-hmm. I mean, Said stay safe week. in general. You know, yeah. you got the you got the COVID circulating. Um, but then also, who knows uh, what these MAGA morons will do in the next... It's very true. This next week or so. So stay safe, stay vigilant, stay alert. Watch uh, house movies, listen to us. Listen to us. I think that's my advice. Listen. I think, I think we're... We're, um, we're a... What's it called? A bomb. We're a bomb. We're a salve. Bomb. Yeah, yeah, a salve. A yes, yes. A salve we were for query ears. The national rash. The MAGA that, nonsense. Yes. Uh, well, Patrick, thank you again for another show. Great show this week. It was a pleasure and honor. And uh, I'm going to miss you. Until I'm going to miss you too, Case. Week. And uh, I will call you on your birthday, but I would like to say happy birthday here on the show oh, so all the listeners can hear me saying happy birthday to you and say, oh, what a good friend Patrick is. Oh, well, thank you. Patrick's a good friend for... <laughs> telling me to have a happy birthday after I reminded him just a few minutes ago. Okay, that's our show. The Cinephile Cuties are signing off. Bye. Patas. Patas. Patas.